Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens and he's Dave Mulvaney and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? Matt, I am doing good. How are you? Life's good. I got a little spring fever, you know, starting to warm up. Sunshine, blue skies. What you got down there? Uh, sunshine, blue skies, no jacket. Um, it cooled off though, but it's beautiful. It's good. I like to see it, man. Spring fever. All right. Episode 66. 67. Episode 67. 67. Oh, sorry. Wow. 67. How to pivot through turbulence. How to pivot through turbulence. So we were going to talk about some- I can't imagine why we would be in turbulence right now, man. Turbulence is like everyday occurrence. You know, it's just, that's just how life is. Uh, So we were talking a little offline. So we got a bunch of little stories that we wanted to tell. So let's start with your little story about, you know, how to launch a product, how to launch a business. So um, I- I'm not going to like talk all the specifics necessarily, but um, one of the things that um, I did an experiment, call it a social experiment, and um, in in a new group, okay, with a new product, and I wanted to see if some of the launch characteristics, if if some of that would work, I guess is the way to say it. And... um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a screen share here. Let's see if I can do it. Um, and I'm going to, uh, let's see here. So you can there see you see my list here. Um, so you'll notice up here it says total. This is uh, straight out of uh, GetResponse. Okay. I sent five emails. You sent and five emails with what? A marketing message, right? A marketing message. I'm a copywriter, okay, by nature. That's not what I am. I mean, I own a couple of businesses and but um i like to write and i like to write in a way that appeals to people yep and, so, and how uh, do we see i that? threw together something a couple last week and i and um and i kind of promoted that through social media for a couple days and uh so it got a little buzz but i only had 120 twitter followers at the time so i twitter's not my thing so um my and in, in, in a week's time, it, my Twitter following is almost 200 now as of this morning. But okay. after doing just a little promotion through Twitter and a little bit on uh, Facebook, I sent these five emails. And these were people that were interested as time went along. But if you look at what happened here, I sent five, but right up here is how many were open? 131. And <laughs> so, um, that means and- each email is open 26 times. <laughs> uh, well, those are, and all of them are individual clicks. And you notice there's zero unsubscribes. And, but here, 2,620% open rate, uh, which is unheard of. Um, you could just imagine, I mean, that's something to be proud of. Now, granted, when you send five emails, if I, if my list was 5,000 and I had a 2,620, but it doesn't matter if people start forwarding your message, that's how you go viral. Right. And, and I think, so it doesn't really matter what your product is. Um, so what did I do here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You promoted. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I took a message. First right. of all, it's very topical. Uh, when I say topical, it, it had a lot to do with uh, what's going on in our world with the coronavirus. Yep. So if, you, if you have something that you could kind of weave your product or service into what's going on in the market and get people excited and passionate about it, they will promote it, especially if they, the, those people believe in you. Um, and sometimes it can be the opposite. They don't believe in you. Um, but, uh, but at, 
at the that's that's the thing is you've got when you most of the biggest viral stuff is always topical um and it's at you know at a time uh but there's always a lot of people you know maybe there's a lot of people at home now so uh anyway so that's one if you want to launch a product you want to hit a topic you want to hit your audience with a good message um and you need you need to like stay at it. So well, well, here's what I would say. I can break it down to four parts. So you had a great marketing message uh, that was topical and that was targeted. And then you only sent the offer to the five people that showed interest. You didn't just blast email. Hey, try this new thing, right? You actually only that that's called permission marketing, right? You only market people interest. Those five people are the ones that forwarded the email on 26 times a piece. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that, that's a four step formula, right? So it's the marketing message, topical only. And then we got permission marketing where we only made the offer to the people that showed the entrance. And then because of that, and it was so timely and the messaging, the copywriting was so good that it went viral and got 26 opens, 26 forwarded per the five people. In all honesty, I'm not sure the copywriting message was that good. It wasn't bad. <laughs> come come on, true. come on. Got to take I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't, sp- I want to, I want to say it that, that way because it's more reality. I didn't spend a lot of time on the first message, getting yeah. those five. And right. what's important is it wasn't five. Four opened it. The, the fifth one did not. So f- four people forwarded it, and then ah, the other better. forwarded it. Yeah. Um, but uh, so let's move into what other – let's move into some other people. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about – Yeah, my- yeah, yeah. So, so we were talking – I was talking to one of my uh, younger clients, and, and he's actually um, – um, Anyway, he's doing, uh, let's call it retail arbitrage. And you, I know you know a lot about this, where, where he made, uh, uh, I don't know, $25,000, $30,000 last month on eBay, right? And so he is finding products that are in demand, and there's a whole science behind that in, in the arbitrage, where he, he finds a product at the Walmart or dollar store, and then he buys it over there, and then he resells it over on eBay, right? And so just interesting, you know, was people so many people saying at home the the video game stuff is big uh i'm not going to mention the exact product so he was out looking for specific product and went to the walmarts and brought all this specific product because he could resell it on ebay at a substantial price he's going around to the uh you know uh garage sales and uh whatever you want to call them those secondhand stores and buying up like the dumbbells you know because people are staying at home and they're doing workouts at home my wife actually bought some dumbbells, my wife and daughters, right? So he's, he's finding the opportunity of things that are in demand, right? So the lighter version of yours, right? What, what do people want? My marketing message is, you know, you're staying at home, you might be playing more video games, you might need this, you're staying at home, you're, you're probably you want to get some good exercise, you might need the dumbbells, right? And so it's he good that he's venturing into the uh, secondary market, the garage, now granted, um, the reason I say that is because um, the retail arbitrage requires a, really a, a substantial time commitment of going to stores, scanning the barcodes on the back of products, and seeing what the price is on. So, but the way retail arbitrage works, just to go deeper in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. is um, you scan a barcode, and especially if you have like an Amazon, your own Amazon store, it'll tell you what that pro- how often that product sells on Amazon and what the going rate for that product is. 
you want to make sure that you're going to at least make 25 points on it or more. Um, normally, you want to make 50% just because you got Amazon's fees, you got shipping, but yeah, yeah. 10 is the number you're shooting for. And if you can make 50% or more, you're golden. And, and people are like, how can you do that? Well, I'm going to use my wife as an example. Now, we don't, we don't do retail arbitrage, but I wanted to show her how it worked. And she bought a book at the dollar store that she was actually reading. And I scanned the back of the book. Of course, the book was a dollar and it was going for like $13 on Amazon and it sold like 39,000 of those books a month. So you could realize if you could put your hand on a thousand of those books, go to all the dollar stores in town and get a lot of those books. Yes. Um, especially if you did it with Amazon fulfillment. So then you put them in a box, you send them to Amazon, let them deal with them and you bought them all for a dollar and they're going to sell for $13. Amazon will take their cut and they'll deliver them and you're in and out of the product. That's what retail arbitrage is. A lot of people make it a lot more complex than it is. You got to have an Amazon store that takes about a week to get set up, sometimes a little longer because you got to get a lot of things. Once you have a store, you can, you can do it. Right. Um, this was now, this was interesting. I'm going to take this and, and he knows who he is. So I'm going to mention names was if you look at that, that is the definition of a value investor, right? A value investor is buying something low and selling it at a higher or better use price. Right. And um, so we were talking about other things that he can do. So, so other things we could do, but in his nature, that business itself is a, what I call value investor. And the example I would use be building a house. Uh, you build a spec house means you build a house for a million dollars. I don't know. I'm just going to build a house and see if, you know, build it and see if they will come right. Versus here was a house, but it's kind of run down. It was a million dollar house, but it's kind of run down. I bet if I fix it up, I can sell it for a million dollars again. You see the difference between the two, the existing home that we're fixing back up at one time, it was worth a million dollars. I know what it's worth when it's completely renovated as opposed to a spec house as I'm speculating, I'm guessing, right? A lot more risk in the spec house versus the rehab in my little world of my example. So if you're that type of person, you should look for more. That's how you, that's your view. That's his view on the world. He's a value investor, whether he knows it or not. And the more, the quicker you know that it helps eliminate well, I don't want to do spec houses because that's not really my personality, right? That's not really. But my point being, let's take that to the next level. I was talking to him about that is a transaction-oriented business, right? Like transaction-oriented business. How would we make it a recurring revenue business? And it's so funny, it turns into to me and you a mastermind, right? That he could show other people how to start their own retail arbitrage business. And he could have a mastermind, right? And maybe they're not all in the same city, right? So you got somebody in Birmingham and in Jacksonville and Orlando and, you know, whatever, Charlotte. And so they could do that same arbitrage from their own city, right? They're all going around driving and buying the dumbbells or driving up, you know, the little uh, video game consoles, right? But then it'd be a mastermind group, which is a recurring revenue model for him, right? Because he gathers up 10 people. They all pay him a dollar amount to be in his group and every week or two weeks they talk about what are the hot selling items and how are they going to uh capitalize on that opportunity and that so, would be that's the type of business and there are a lot of people already doing oh there are yes i do know that a membership based or um yes. or like a uh online course those are yep. ideal um yep. and this is where like okay so you're home you're stuck home and let's say you have a restaurant uh this is might be a time for you to become um Martha Stewart, you know, where you start like literally showing people how to cook. Um, I love to use the grill and I use, love to use my smoker. Um, 
and I make various things on my smoker. Like we had salmon the other night. It's fantastic. It's probably the best, the best salmon you would ever get. And I'm not saying that anybody who has it is like, I don't even like salmon. Um, but I'm not a chef. I can follow a recipe. There's a difference, you know? So there's a lot of people out there who are like really good cooks and, well, you're in your home now. Pull out your cell phone. Look, this thing has more capabilities um, of far as graphics and things like that. Um, start creating. Remember, I said I, I I created a crowd that had interest in what I was doing. So right, right. Very interested party. So your home, you got nothing to do. So you 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 pick something you're you're really good at and you really like a subject you like. And then you get that out among your friends and some of your friends will go, Oh, Susie likes this. And all you're trying to do is, you know, there's all these people trying to build a million followers. You don't need a million followers. If, if you have, you have a hundred followers that love, you know, they love and trust you. You can make a great living off of a hundred followers rather than a million people that barely know you. Well, it's funny. So this reminds me of one of the topics we did on the podcast. I don't know, maybe even a year ago. You talked about the the lawn the lawnmower repair guy, yeah. And he was doing di you know do it yourself lawn lawnmower repair videos, and the idea being you know well if you don't want to do it yourself then, then who's the guy you're going to bring it to that guy because he was teaching. Same thing with restaurant. If you're a restaurant owner, you could do kind of like you know how to make the pizza at home, how to make the lasagna at home, and so people can self cook. But then I say, man, I really Dave's a great cook. You know when his restaurants open up, I'm just going to order to go. Right. Or when we're out of this, I'm going to really go to his restaurant because he really helped me out with some, you know, cooking. Right. Um, leverage that on that same story in a similar manner was uh, we've got one of our restaurant owners. And so what he's doing is getting uh, neighborhood referrals. So um, his idea is let me come to your neighborhood, uh, you know, five o'clock tomorrow and I'll bring a bunch of pre-made meals and everybody in your neighborhood could come to the end of the cul-de-sac you know, social distancing and buy their dinner for the night, right? It, okay, so like the food truck thing, right? That is so perfect. And the reason it's so perfect is this. First of all, I think that if, if you're watching this uh, or listening to this, you need to try, if you can afford to, try to pick up food from a local restaurant Maybe if you can't do once a week, do every two weeks. Even though you may have the food at the house, they need your support. Right. And it's right. also, that's your date night. So you're not cooking or what have you. Uh, maybe you don't have a date. Maybe you're you're alone and happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different thing. No, that's a little joke. Um, but because uh, everybody's stuck together right now. Um, but, you know, that is that could be your date night. But the local restaurants need that. And like you said, you were talking about it. So I think it's important that we, we find ways to support, especially the local businesses, because we're all going through this together, whether we like it or not. Um, we're all in this together. Oh, absolutely. We, we would, were using Blue Apron before and we just canceled Blue Apron because of that. Because so, so however, I think we had three or four meals a week from Blue Apron and we decided as a family, we'd rather buy those four meals Plus, we're probably buying five or six from local restaurants and just rotating through them to kind of, I want them to stay in business because I, I want to eat at these restaurants when we when we get out of here, right? So I'm doing takeout, pickup, however you say that. Delivery. A friend of mine who owns a restaurant, a series of restaurants um, here, here in Jacksonville, he said it like this. He goes, 
most people who own restaurants are um, have a highly addictive personality. He said, I can't say this any other way. You're going to see a lot of those restaurateurs when they go out of business that they're probably going to drink themselves to death or, um, or do drugs or, or go really down or wrong because their whole life was in that restaurant. And I hate to say it when, when, when the people say the cure could be worse. So that's why we're saying this. Well, that's why I'm, that's great that you're eating out. You're, you're getting five times a week, four or five times because you, you could actually be saving somebody's life. And I'm not, I'm, if you're a restaurant owner, I'm not, no, I, I'm yeah. not trying to stereotype restaurant owners. This came from a restaurant owner. He said, we all, you know, the reason we're restaurant, most of us, you know, we went to culinary school because we weren't any good at anything else. We were good at cooking. And so, but that's why they're good at cooking because that's their talent. Everybody's got a different talent. We were on, it's funny you say this exact thing. So uh, I was on a call earlier today, strategic coach, you know, we talked about Dan Sullivan. Sure. They had one today. And they, they went through this exact exercise and you said addiction, which that came up. And let me tell you the exact scenario. Um, they say, uh, so experience is the greatest teacher. We've all heard that. And they said, when you think about it, there's, there's a positive side of that and the negative side of that. So if, if, an event, if something happens, an event takes place and it worked out the way you thought it was, how do you feel? What is your experience from that experience, right? You've I got no trainer. You feel confident, excitement, optimism, pleasure, right? You're like, man, this thing worked out just how I wanted. You feel awesome, right? The negatives could be, you might feel a little complacent, maybe a little arrogant. Oh man, I'm, I can do anything. I pulled this off without a, right? On the opposite side of that, when something takes place and it doesn't work out the way we thought it was, right? I've heard this before from somebody else. I forget that, that, that disappointment is when uh, the experience didn't match your expectations. That was, that was the gap. I guess Dan Sullivan calls it the gap, but this was that when you think it was supposed to be like this and it really was different, that's when you get disappointed or upset. Anyway, so when things don't work out the way you thought, what are, how do you feel or experience that event? You get negative, you get agitated, you get shock, you get fear, you get pessimism. And then the bad side of that side would be uh, uh, addiction, um, that's where you said that it gets so bad it was my fault, right? So there's guilt and there's depression. If you take it to the extreme, which it might have just been an event, right? If restaurants closed, uh, my business went out for external circumstances, but I took it too hard, right? So I go into the depression and the and the um, the bad side of that. But the good side of that would be what we talk about. This is where we got into that. Say, so look, every event has a good side and a bad side to sure. it. So you should learn from it. What goes back to the main questions we always ask. What worked, what didn't work, and how would I improve it next time? Yeah, and, and I think to avoid that depression is no matter what opportunity you're ever going after, I don't care if it's in a great economy, this economy, um, you should never get your identi identity from what you do, your successes or failures. That shouldn't be where your identity comes from. Um, I know we often do. Um, you know, I... I showed you that launch. Well, I mean, I'm pushing for something very big and um, the odds of success in it were probably in the 2%, maybe even less than 2% were the odds of success. Cause I was going for something really big. And I can remember the, the first night, you know, the excitement and everything. And, and my daughter asked me, she goes, what if this doesn't work? I said, there's really, really, really strong odds that it won't. But if I don't at least go for it, 
then I fail already. Right. Exactly. So right. You got to go for it. You got, I mean, you can't just not do something or at least not try because um, you're going to fail. But when you fail, you can't say, oh, well, that's all on me. Um, you got to learn something from it, right? I, I gave it all. That's what, as long as you can say, I gave it all, that, that's, that's all you got. Well, even to go through this, right? So, so whether this ends up being great or not, you, you, the first part of that, the launch part, you were pretty good at, right? So that was really fantastic. So learned also, a lot from the launch, man. Yeah, I can I tell know. you, I learned a lot, and we're going to use it in the future. We're going to use it on our mastermind group. That's what I want to hear. So I was on another call. I was on two calls, Zoom calls. So these are really funny. Everybody's now on Zoom calls all the time, right? And and Bridget, who hopefully will be on a guest on on our podcast coming up here, she was awesome. And, and, and I don't know if, anyway, it was money is a renewable resource. Time is not. That's true. Money comes and goes. So it goes back to, you're just saying, you know, money is, is going away right now, but it'll come back. It always does. It always has. We're looking for those opportunities to make that money. Her point was time is not a renewable. So what are you doing with this time we have right now to, improve yourself, improve your business, improve your family relationships. I don't know. That just reminded me. You well, know, no, it is. It, time, time is the most, it's the most valuable resource we have. And it is, it is a limited supply. It is not any more of it. It's all you're ever going to have. Nobody lies on their death, deathbed and says, I, I wish I had spent more time at work. Um, <laughs> you know, I say that a lot, but um, if you, you know, for you conspiracy theorists out there, um, when you look at who's really going to profit the most out of out of this, all of this, it's Zoom. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've had all these people, but I mean that, that that's um, it's funny. But the reality is, we are in a different world now, um, and it's very possible this may not be the last time this happens. So, what do you do when um, the market changes? Um, you know, what happens if, if the people with global warming are correct? And, and let's say uh, 20 years from now, you go outside and you'd like get a sunburn in, in like five seconds or whatever. I don't know what, how it all works right, out. But, right. but if it was like that, you'd still have to adapt to the market. Or I mean, you still got to feed your family. You still got to have a roof over your head. I mean, none of that changes. Life does the, the way you go through life may change, but life itself doesn't really change. You gotta you gotta navigate the the turbulence, right? You realize that you never really had control to begin with, right? That's the other, right. This all happened. It's nobody's fault. It's a pandemic, right? And and we all have to adjust. But the truth of it is, we would have had to adjust to any other situation either way, right? Anyway, because we really don't have control over the future. Just we have control over what we control over. So it's really funny. It goes on those same lines of. How are some people coping with this and, and pivoting? And, you know, a lot of us face-to-face and networking is a great way to grow our businesses and to communicate. Um, and uh, on that same call, they were talking about virtual uh, uh, cocktail parties. My wife's tennis team has done, you know, they, they're not playing tennis right now. So they'll, you know, Thursday at five o'clock and they'll all get their bottle of wine and sit on front of the Zoom. They're doing virtual cocktail parties. I've got a networking group that I meet with and we've been having a virtual networking meeting on zoom, you know, Tuesday at whatever time. Right. Um, whatever. I think it was, uh, cherish on my last call was talking about, uh, virtual, uh, coffees. You know, I'm literally going to send you an invitation for nine o'clock tomorrow and you're going to sit there on zoom with your cup of coffee and I'm going to be on my cup of coffee for zoom and we'll have a little 30 minute coffee just as if we were meeting at Starbucks. 
And right. I'm on the I'm on the global uh, uh, the global thing. I'm on something called WeChat, which okay. the only way to get onto WeChat, you have to be invited from somebody in in China. And uh, so I got on this WeChat, and it's got I've never seen an app that has the uh, ease of technology in terms of being able to share attachments, video. I mean, it's got everything that is in this, but you can share a large attachments with no limitations, instantaneous around the world talk. Um, you know, I literally talk to the app a lot of times instead of texting, you can text through the app, but instead of texting, I just talk and, and literally we're talking back and forth. And, and so we're all finding ways to do business. Um, and that's what you have to do to navigate these turbulent times. You, you know, that's the pivot. The pivot is okay. This is the way we used to do things. It was great for a long time, um, but you know we don't do them that way anymore. That's the we, might, we might have to. I've literally had four, five, six. I'm trying to think the number. It probably up to ten people that are talking about how to use LinkedIn for business. And I know you and I have talked about that probably a year ago, but we might have to revisit that because you have these people who have never been stuck at home and never used LinkedIn. LinkedIn is still an underused resource. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know LinkedIn could do this. So, so they're pivoting to do their networking and meetings through LinkedIn. So that might actually be one we just redo, right? Is, is how to use LinkedIn to pivot, to, to grow your network, to do your business, right? So we could potentially talk about it in the next couple of weeks. I'd like to head now that I'd like to have a couple of guests um, and we will, we'll have some guests. Uh, but if, you know, one of the, you know, if you're having trouble pivoting, you know, we, Matt and I are having a, uh, you know, we're, we're, we have a mastermind group that um, will, that you have to be accepted, but you know, the reality is if you're an entrepreneur and you're kind of stuck, the reason Matt and I do this is because we bounce ideas off, off each other. I mean, I started out, a, a, you know, literally about seven or eight days ago, bouncing some ideas off Matt, but then my mind, it's, that's what a mastermind is. It's that's not it like you're, nobody's telling you what to do. No, you don't have somebody leading you. It's you're, you're trying to find your way. And that's what we're talking about pivoting through turbulence. You're trying to find your way through these clouds and these, these storms. And sometimes it's nice to be able to go, Hey, what do you guys, or what do you people think about this? Yeah. And, and yeah. All this feedback. And you're like, oh. feedback and sharing success stories and, and sharing the challenges. And I mean, literally that's kind of what this episode was about really was how people are um, pivoting and making adjustments. We gave, you know, four five, six examples. So we're looking for a master, uh, more members of mastermind group talking about reaching out and applying. We got our website, the profitability, profitabilitymd.com. We got our YouTube channel. We got obviously the podcast here as well. You can reach out to me. I'm at Matt Hudgens on LinkedIn. And then I got my coaching is 10xprofitblueprint.com. Uh, if you're interested in, in joining our mastermind group and, and having a group, a network that you get to bounce ideas off, people that have done it, been there and done that kind of thing. So yeah. where can we find Mr. Mulvaney? Well, you can find me um, at davidmulvaney.com. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, David Mulvaney. And, um, and then... Uh, our YouTube channel is Profitability MD. If you're interested in that mastermind, we're not all salesy. That's not that's not our thing. Um, you can connect with us through LinkedIn, and we'll just get on a call and we'll talk about it. The three of us. Um, you know, we can send you a questionnaire and make it all corporate, but we really just want to make sure there's a fit. We want to make sure that you, we're all heading the same direction. Because if you become part of the mastermind, 
we're going to get, we're going to trust each other and we're going to, you know, and you're going to learn things about us and we're going to learn things about you. And, and the idea is to iron sharpens iron. And so we want to, um, you know, we want to make sure we bring somebody in that, um, that they're not magnetic or uh, what's the opposite of that? I don't know. It's, it's wrong, wrong play on words, but so. Um, That's good. But, yeah. We'd, we'd love to hear from you reach out to us. And, uh, and that was a good show today, Matt. That's good, my friend. Will you uh, uh, stay safe, stay quarantined, get some good exercise. Wear a mask. Press, wear a mask. All right, man. Be good. I'll see you. See you, man. Take care.